football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports now you're welcome along football show Dion Fanning of the Currency is here in studio you're very welcome hi Joe come at the hour come at the man Wales golf Real Madrid yeah in fact Real Madrid have fallen completely out of the top three <laughs> now Wales golf days. yes just Wales and golf. Gareth Bale has equalised against Team USA after Tim Weah, son of George, uh, opened the scoring for USA and uh, Gareth Bale with an emphatic penalty, really good penalty to level the game up. Cue massive relief for Wales. This group will come down to USA or Wales, you would think, going through with glorious England based on their performance earlier on. So that was important for Wales. Good second half performance you were watching today? Yeah, Um very good second half performance, but it didn't look for a long time like they were uh, going to do anything with it. They were, they were, they were definitely much more attacking. They were pushing on, but it was, it was, it was kind of painstaking at the same time. And then they got the penalty. Um, I would also say, and I don't want to get overly dramatic too soon in the World Cup, but maybe they actually have saved saved the tournament because. Uh, I was talking to Arthur out there and I did actually did it for Ryan so this is actually only day one but I was looking at it going until that game I was like this is this is bad <laughs> you know this is very very bad and we're you know parking for a second all the issues maybe we have, we'll have to say but like just in terms of the football, the football yeah. that this is very bad now I think actually those issues feed into why it's bad and you know the atmosphere and all the the, the sense of phoniness around elements of this World Cup apart from anything else uh, haven't haven't helped but that was the first game tonight like the best I could say about the games beforehand was that I felt like I was watching football at the Olympics where you kind of look at it and you think I really want to enjoy this I really want to believe that there's something at stake here but it's just not the real thing and that was that game did actually look like the real thing. It did feel that way. After about 67 minutes, I wasn't able to watch it as closely as you, but I did see a Welsh attack come to nothing and Rob Page uh, slumped on his chair as if to say, it's not going to be our night. And that was quite early for that feeling to have almost consumed Welsh management. But they got their breakthrough in the end. So that's England three points, Wales and USA a point apiece. And obviously Iran will be uh, bringing up the rear in the group. Yeah, eight. the Wales are extraordinary. Like I know it is USA and this is an opening game point, but it's, it is an extraordinary story. And I think we can sometimes take it for granted uh, because they're doing it now so regularly and they're there. Yeah. But it is, it is, it is something that you, we, we shouldn't really forget how, how much they've overachieved. Well, not least when we're labouring to 1-0 wins against Malta. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew I, as I started saying that I knew I was leading too soon into we're not going there we're not going there yet so yes. England 6-2 uh, winners today at the Khalifa National Stadium 45,000 fans there they were uh, impressive in many ways you have to say Jude Bellingham opened the scoring with a fantastic header Bukayo Saka announced himself further to a global audience Raheem Sterling with an excellent finish as Phil Foden uh, kicked his heels Jack Grealish off the bench he tapped one in that was a brilliant move that goal it was just England in full flow and there was a lovely flick to Bellingham in, in midfield and Wilson straight away spotted the 
you know, it's a kind of, uh, I was saying in the news round earlier, it's not particularly complicated football. It's the type of move that you see in academies up and down the country. But there was just a real flow to it. When it's done well, then it's hard to stop. And Wilson turns, sprinted into the space, beautiful Bellingham pass and great composure on Wilson's part to delay and take his time. And Jack Grealish had an easy finish. And then Marcus Rashford's finish was very sharp and very confident. And so England going forward looked really good. Defensively, there were wobbles and there were gaps and Southgate was emphasising that afterwards. It was notable, though, he has decided to forgo five at the back. It was 4-3-3 and England off the leash is the... um, Like, what's the city or Spain, I saw. England off the the leash is the excited uh, reaction across the Irish Sea. Yeah. um, I think, you know, what you say about those goals was correct. They were great goals. They remind me of the goals that now somehow go viral from, like, training sessions. Uh, Iran are terrible. Mm. Iran are really, really terrible. Um, And, uh, um, you know, like maybe now we can understand what we couldn't understand before about how Qatar actually won the uh, Asia Cup. Like because... uh, It's been a bad 24 hours for the Asian Cup. It has, yeah, yeah. um, but Iran, Iran, like so, England. I think by that stage, when they were they were able just to to, to pass it around, they could try anything. Pretty much sh- sure in the knowledge that there were going to be no consequences to what they did. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the only thing. Now, England's England's routes to um, to to success or to overachieving in, in tournaments recently has always included, you know, has for the most part included being against weaker teams. And there are no outstanding teams, so it's uh, it's encouraging for them. There's no doubt that it's encouraging. And again, it has to be said that they are, you know, the players who are scoring today, it is exciting for them. They are an exciting bunch of players. Like, I think Southgate is the problem, but, you know, Bellingham, uh, you know, see Rashford scoring, Saka scoring. Um, it is Grealish coming on and score. You know, it's it's they are an exciting bunch, and a, and a, again, uh, a group of players that I think people warm to. Mm. Kane was really good as well. This was not Harry Kane out of form in the Euros, not scoring. This was Kane. Yeah, I can score if I want. Today I'm going to be an assist merchant extraordinaire. Yeah. He was uh, really good. There was a moment where he was tackled badly and his ankle got trapped. And it just screamed of ankle ligaments. And it was, I'd say, a nervous wait for all concerned, but he was fine and actually played on. The other uh, incident out of that game is that the Iranian goalkeeper, Ali uh, Burnavand, was smashed in the face. Mm. Clearly a no-fit state to continue. He clashed with his own defender, Hosseini. And there was a 10-12 minute stoppage. He was very unsteady. There was blood. The substitute goalkeeper was on the sideline, ready to come on. And Ali Burnavand said, I'm fine. And they let him play on. Within minutes, within minutes, he was lying on the ground and had to be stretched off. Yeah. Uh, football is in the dark ages when it comes to this issue. Rugby's been in the spotlight this weekend and rugby's miles ahead of football. Yeah, no, it is. It's um, well, it's kind of like, you know, well, you know, what, what, do, you ex- what do you expect? <laughs> like, you know, when, when, when we're dealing with the World Cup, it's like, what? You want us to actually, <laughs> you want us to care about the players' health too? Yeah. You know, all the other stuff we're not caring about. Like, you want us to actually worry about that like yeah. that's that doesn't even it doesn't even seem that it's sort of something that they should even it's on their top 10 of their to-do list it's true but it's again yeah no absolutely it, it's it's way down it, it's it's so badly handled and you can see 
how they get themselves into a mess like that just by not really enforcing things the way they should they should be enforced. We might start by working our way back towards the opening day and then before that one of the great press conferences of all time we salute you Gianni Infantino so let's work our way back with the England game maybe two hours ahead of kickoff. suddenly there was like Twitter for all its ills is a good mm-hmm. place for these things it was alight with the rumours that England aren't going to wear the one love armband anymore that FIFA Qatar by extension of uh, really quashed the idea and Maybe an hour before kickoff, a joint statement arrived from the European countries who were intending to wear the one love armband. And so they said, as national federations, we can't put our players in a position where they could face sporting sanctions, including bookings. So we've asked the captains not to attempt to wear the armbands in FIFA World Cup games. And just like that, the one love armband was gone. Jonathan Liu had a great piece. And he said, so well to the farewell to the one love armband. We never really knew you. (laughs) Uh, Certainly, we didn't know what you stood for. LGBTQ plus rights, we think maybe a bit of anti-racism, some gender equality, some disability rights, maybe a little bit of migrant worker feels thrown in there, too. And he went on to say the official intention was to promote inclusion and send a message against discrimination of any kind. A mission statement of such magnificent vagueness that it's impossible to imagine a single cogent argument against it. You couldn't object to the one love Armand because it didn't really exist. It was essentially a design to be an empty vessel, a weightless piece of branding, the fabric equivalent of the shrug emoji. It wasn't nothing, but it was probably the next best thing, which perfectly, I think, sums up what the one love Armband was. But then suddenly, in the last 24 hours, it was imbued with a certain gravitas. FIFA have said no, there'll be a booking. So there was like the possibility of a moment where we would have the picture of a referee holding up a yellow card to Harry Kane, Mm. stood defiantly with the one love armband saying, I will take that. And they surrendered instantly. I mean, it's one of the great climb downs. The Welsh manager, Rob Page, just a couple of weeks ago, and even yesterday was talking about how they would wear this one love armband. Mm. And uh, it's been ditched all in the face of uh, a booking threat. Yeah, it's... um no, it is extraordinary because it is like that's a perfect description of it. It is is a kind of a bit of corporate nothingness. The the armband it was designed. It comes from that same space where you know when when you see corporations enter into certain areas and you know that they know that there is absolutely no downside to doing this. Yeah, and that this is just uh, a nice bit of corporate branding for them. And today almost exposes that hollowness. Well, yeah. Well, th- th- suddenly, like. Kind of amazingly, through the uh, the <laughs> like the just sheer dastardliness of FIFA, at the same time, but they just they you know they they create they suddenly. I remember writing something like this a few weeks ago, but again, not fully taking it to this point, thinking only FIFA could actually make something out of the one love armband because mm. it is just it is it is an, it is a nothing, and yet and they've done that, but then. When you have that opportunity to actually say something, I think we should all be, nobody should really, it's very tricky with people saying to people, you should stick to your principles. Like, you should stick to people, you know, there's lots, you know, we've often been in situations, I've been in situations where, you know, with, with things where people say, you know, where are your principles? What are your principles? And it's a, a personal thing for people, how they, what they, how they, what they risk for their principles, yeah. if you like. Um, but, but a yellow card, Players get yellow cards for taking off their jerseys when they're celebrating. Mm. 
So this is less, this is worth less than an over-exuberant over -exuberant celebration. They're great stand um, against all the, the, the dark underbelly of the Qatar World Cup. Their huge stand ultimately means less mm. than waving your shirt over your head when you score a goal. Yeah. That's what they said. That's what they said today. And it is, it is the, you know, the Groucho Marx version of principles. You know, if these are my principles. If you don't like them, I've got others. And suddenly the other principles they had, oh, we actually, oh, there's a FIFA armband. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah. And the point was made, well, can Harry Kane risk suspension in the third group game? Mick in the newsroom made the point, you can have a different captain every game. Yeah. You know, if you do want to have a degree of pragmatism, but still make a stand. But, but I think, I don't know if FIFA, it would have been so spect a spectacular own goal because suddenly the one love armband would have meant something. Yes. It would have had, it would suddenly have had some meaning. And then the FIFA are going to say, right, we're actually going to book people yeah. for this. And we're going to, we're going to actually, there's, there's a, uh, there are people standing up against, you know, homophobia. There are people standing up against, you know, for these for the, these things. And we're actually going to say, no, you can't do that. Mm. Uh, it would like, you know, that was that was the test. And it is a kind of spectacular misstep in the sense that they have to anticipate when the, when they when they do this, that there is going to be some. Like what if you know? Okay, they they're saying they thought they would get a fine. They never thought there was yeah. going to be there was going to be a booking. Now there there is definitely I mean, this weekend has seen a huge a, a kind of you know, there has been a shift. There's been a real tonal shift in how this World Cup uh, is 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 being conducted, and it's like um, with 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 a much darker. Uh, with a much darker resonance, it reminds me a little bit of that story with, uh, you know, the story of Mick, uh, Mick Byrne knocking over the, 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 the boat, the Tony Cask in the Italian 90, and he knocked over the owner of the hotel's boat and he kept apologising and apologising and the guy kept getting angrier. And finally Mick Byrne said, I know sorry anymore. Yeah. Fuck you and fuck your boat. Yeah. And Guitar feels. That's, how, that's where Guitar, they've just gone, right, we, I, we're no sorry anymore. Mm. Uh, well, and even the, the late change on alcohol, the extent yeah. to which FIFA are in control of the situation anymore is very questionable. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I, to be honest, I think that's one of those, like, for a long time, the other thing is, the, the other way has been an issue. Like, I've gone to World Cups that everyone rightly kind of said, God, FIFA take over. Where is the country? Yeah, it's too homogenous. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a flat pack you're FIFA getting, World you're getting Cup. You're the Qatar experience We're now. You're getting the Qatar experience now, you can't get a drink, but... They they've pushed back, but they and they've and they've really pushed back, mm. and uh, I think that that's probably probably reflected in what FIFA have done here. FIFA trying to trying to keep Qatar happy. Yeah, have done this, but I I do think it is um, it's pathetic that you can you know principles really. You know, like whoever said, you know, pr principles aren't principles until they until they cost you something. And again, yeah. everyone is entitled to do what they feel is right. And we can, uh, is I'm very reluctant to ever say this is what someone should do with their principles. Yes. But when you've made such a big play in advance of yeah. the term, this is our response to all your questions. And, and, and Shear says something today, like they've you know beforehand about how England have been uh, magnificent in these areas off the field. 
Um, this was this was it. Yeah. This was their big. This was their big play. There isn't anything else. Yeah. Pat Nevin did raise the possibility that actually the yellow card would be given to Harry Kane, but then akin to almost arriving on the field with a boot missing or inappropriate uh, jersey, can you play with that armband still on? That the referee would say, well, you're booked and now you have to take it off. And that might have been uh, part of the issue. But I don't know. I can't. But, I mean, I can't imagine them not letting the game start if Harry Kane is wearing that armband. I just but, even, but even that, if he, even if he's booked and takes it off... I know we're getting into kind of really... Uh, that feels a bit weak though as well. But, but yeah, oh God, so you're saying he should be sent... Okay, maybe he should be sent up. But sent well, he off. should. I mean, he shouldn't. It should be, here's your booking and now you can leave it on. I mean, these are weird uh, arrangements to try yeah. and navigate. I have some Southgate. He was, naturally enough, in the press conference, this was, uh, aside from the good football, this was the big talking point. So uh, here's Southgate's response to the general situation. Harry Kane deciding to leave the one love armband in the dressing room. It's not something that the players or myself have been involved with over the last 24 hours. Um, those discussions have been ongoing between several European nations and FIFA. I actually, I do understand FIFA's situation in that you can set a precedent and it's very difficult then, where do, where do you draw a line? So, um, yeah, I think... Um, in an ideal world, that, that would have been a much clearer situation earlier. But it's not something that's been a distraction for us because we, as, as I said yesterday, we had to uh, focus on the football. You know, there's so much else going on, um, but we can't be involved in that now. We've got to just concentrate on performances, concentrate on our training, um, and especially the players. You, you know, it's it's not for them to have to deal with that. People know what we stand for. People know this group of players. You know, we're taking the knee because it's something we feel we can make a difference with. And there are some things that I'm not sure we're going to be able to make a difference with. And therefore, we should channel our energies in the right directions. So that was the circuit response. ITV were on this evening covering the Wales game. Roy Keane was in the studio. Mark Pugac asked him for his thoughts on England and Wales and presumably all the other European countries following suit. But England and Wales today. Did, did it put England and Wales in a difficult position in the sense they wanted to make the protest, but they didn't want to risk a, a major player potentially being suspended for a knockout game or the third game for something they did in the opening? But I think match. the players could have done it for the first game and took the punishment, whatever that might be, Kane. Obviously, you're risking saying if he's going to get a yellow card, if that was going to be the punishment. But that would have been a great statement. Do it for the first game. If you get your yellow card, what a message that would have been from Kane or Bale take your medicine, and then the next game you move on. You don't wear it, because obviously, again, you'd want to be getting suspended. But I think it was a big mistake, I think, both players, particularly, obviously, we're talking about Wales and England here, should have stuck to their guns and done it. Whatever pressure from outside and from their own associations, have the belief, if that's what you believe, then go with it. There you go. It all felt all the weaker, given the extraordinary scenes during the Iranian national anthem. Yeah. That was really quite something. None of the players sang the anthem in protest at what's happening in that country at the moment. And then one of the image of, images of the World Cup, we can safely say, um, is of the female fan applauding the team, not singing, but in tears. Mm. So emotional, distraught, really. Uh, but applauding the team nonetheless, because what they did was genuinely very brave. And the sanctions could be far worse for them or for their families than a yellow card.
Yeah, it's it's. Well, you, we we should talk about that on its own, yeah. really, because it's it, it was extraordinary. And again, it's it, it's something far beyond, yeah, like the, the the armband issue. Like it's actually it is it is a real meaning and a real uh, purpose and of of danger to the you know it, it, it is a serious serious thing that they have done mm. and yeah an extraordinary uh, moment and the fans booing the anthem yeah the anthem was not sunk Carlos Kiros said afterwards rather extraordinarily that if the fans aren't going to come and support <coughs> the team they should go home so yeah. Carlos is, has decided his take on the situation uh, the players whose family live in the country and uh, I'm sure lots of them live in the country themselves have a different take on the situation to Carlos but um because initially I was thinking oh there's no Iranian fans at the stadium and then you realize oh, got the situation and yeah. then you, that player's not singing that player's not singing and when it cut to the crowd and the woman was in tears mm. I mean, it really was extraordinary I can't think of many World Cup moments like that No it was really powerful I think and it's, it's for some reason it seems more powerful because of everything that is happening yeah. here at, our, at this World Cup it does feel like this is something where that that, that uh demonstration of how important those moments can be and how uh, symbolic and how important you know how important those symbols can be for people um, and how important the World Cup is in giving platforms one way or another we've seen what you know we're seeing an awful lot of examples of, of how it gives platforms to bad people to bad situations but this this was one of those moments where felt right there's there's some in a terrible in terrible circumstances but there is some um uh hope not hopefulness might be stretching it but there is something heroism that, yeah heroism definitely and there's something moving happening mm. um that again highlights how how significant the world cup is and how significant football is we're going to a very short break. Uh, Dion Fanning staying with us. Our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. It has been an extraordinary World Cup for all sorts of other reasons off the pitch. So we're going to chat about some of those in just a moment. Off the ball. It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through nine and ten. You don't get to be fine in, in matches like that where you start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports You're welcome, Mac Jumelow here Dion Fanning still in studio So yesterday the opening match was striking for so many reasons that the Asian champions and the home nation the host nation and a team who have brought in several players from overseas to bolster the ranks although they won't give them citizenship that is the crafty aspect there that they were so poor was really quite striking and then you have uh, Gianni Infantino fresh from his bizarre press conference and he's in the stands watching and the Emir of Qatar is there and Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia is there and uh, I did be I did see people kind of wondering I was you know maybe the World Cup has brought these two countries together um because there was a blockade from mm. 2017 to January 21. Uh, really, it was um, painstaking diplomacy, it seems, on Kuwait's part. But if we want to put it down to the World Cup, we can do that. Um, but again, it's just this striking thing where at the opener to the Russian World Cup, it was 
Putin, obviously, it was Infantino and it was Bin Salman because it was Russia against Saudi Arabia and it was a uh, just a, an odd coincidence that these um, two leaders w- were brought together by that game. But I suppose everybody's first thought with Bin Salman alongside Infantino was, well, we're going to Saudi Arabia in 2030. That's my first thought. So you thought, you thought that's it, it's, it's yeah. done deal. No, do, no what need about to the, apply. But what about the technical technical assessments now, Joe? They have a lot more weight they do. than they used to 12 years ago. Let's just put our faith in see. the uh, technical assessment for the 48 team World Cup. Um, there was a, see where we go with that one. There but was a piece in the Telegraph about uh, a record-breaking run that Bin Salman is on at the moment. Oh, yeah. Saudi Arabia has executed 12 people in 10 days for drug offences after a two-year hiatus, according to a human rights organisation. The spate of execution, most of which are beheadings with a sword, is part of a wider trend that suggests the country is on track for a record year of executions, despite (coughs) Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman previously vowing to reduce the use of such punishments. Uh, The executions in this case, non-violent drug charges which brings Mm. us to 132 for the year, exceeding those of 2020 and 2021 combined. Um, So that is where we are. I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is the only country where capital punishment uh, features, but he's on a record-breaking run despite vows to row back on that. And again, 12 people, 10 days for non-violent drug charges. Yeah, it is amazing how Infantino just seems to find himself so often in the company of 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 these leaders, it is it's just kind of seems it's there's something that um, he seems to be drawn to. Yeah, because you know he's like we we saw what happened in 2018. We saw him co- go and collect his friendship medal from Vladimir Putin, um, and you would think that maybe everything that's happened subsequently might make him be a little bit. More, yeah, judicious, yeah, and have a bit of you know, a bit of humility in in the in the in the real sense of the word, not in the kind of I've just won an Oscar and I'm feeling very uh, humbled. This is a leading question, I grant you. Okay. But to what extent has the past seventy two hours destroyed his reputation in the general eyes of the populace? The the press but, conference in particular, because I, before, like when he first arrived, I was like, okay, we'll give him a chance, we'll see what he's like. But I, but but, but <sighs> that doesn't matter. His reputation. His reputation in the, in the eyes of the general public doesn't really matter. I don't think I, I'd be amazed. Like, let's see now. Like, there was some talk of, of um, like, he's running unopposed. Yeah. There's some talk of people, of, of associations withdrawing their support for his unopposed candidacy. Maybe people, maybe some associations will do that. Maybe, like, there was people saying the FA should do that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they'll decide. I would be amazed. My point is, I suppose, when Sepp Blatter first arrives, there's a degree of uh, a grace period. Well, let's see how this guy goes. But, but and no, then but over yeah, time, I, you, you realise what I think Sepp you're Blatter right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just thinking but it's... I, compl- I, think, I think Infantino has now, categorically, if there was any doubts remaining, absolutely taken a torch to whatever grace period yeah, he was But it enjoying. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that's not the world he inhabits. That's okay. not the world where he's judged and... Uh, where where the decisions are taken as to you know whether he's an effective leader or not, like the the public mood. You don't think him being a toxic brand destabilizes his position at the top no. of FIFA? No, no more than um, John Delaney getting you know dr- getting drunk and so pot uh, 
had had any real effect on his power base within the Football Association of Ireland until other things came out. Like yeah, okay. we could we could all say this this is ludicrous and this is laughable mm. and this is not you know and we could look at all the stories and go this is nonsense and mm. we all knew it and we all talked about it but and the public might have looked at him and went whatever and the same with Infantino but it wasn't until and it's the same with Blatter yeah and it's the same with FIFA so I don't think it I, I don't think there's any whatever the reforms have and there you know there have been reforms they say there have been reforms like 2010 will never happen again the way it happened but I don't think it makes too much of a difference, and I don't. And I think you like that wasn't that was done for a reason. That wasn't done like he wasn't just uh, it wasn't just kind of um, megalomania that just drove him to speak like that. You know, he was standing up. It was as we talked about earlier. This this is part of the this is part of the shift that you know, and the one love armband. All these things is part of the shift. That has just said, right? We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of, we're we're, we're tired of uh, being, we're tired of being the kind of open, tolerant, uh, forgiving mm. country, and you know, hosting the World Cup and FIFA being the tired, forgiving, open uh, federation allowing yeah. it. There, there, there is. Uh, Touch more on the front foot. To on the front foot, yeah. Analogy. And like you know, the loop, the stuff. Um, about the 3,000 years of Western civilization. Yeah, that, like... The quote, if you missed that at home, I think what we Europeans have been doing for the last 3,000 years around the world, we should be apologizing for the next 3,000 years before we start giving moral lessons to people is what Infantino said in that press conference. Yeah, um, it's just what about her? Like, it's, there's... He, he is... Uh, he is the head of FIFA holding a World Cup in Qatar, they're the issues he needs to address. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we see this, this is kind of like the stuff you'd hear on, on like, Russia Today. Like, that's the, um, that's the kind of level of that. You know, there's I, I mean, if you follow his logic through to its bizarre conclusion, I mean, European media can't report then on anything. That happens beyond oh, but it's not, Yeah, yeah. No, but there's no... There isn't... There, yeah. At least 3,000 years. At least 3,000... Yeah. No, it's... Um, but it's, but he... His responsibility is to address what's going on in the... In in Qatar and what's going on with FIFA and this tournament. And it's... It is... It's just... It is deflection. What about it? He struck me in that press conference, though, as a man under serious pressure. Everything from the alcohol situation to what whatever's going on behind the scenes there. He is spinning many, many plates. On the broadcasters, we talked about this in advance. I was sceptical despite big promises in various quarters. Gary Lineker, for instance, was on different podcasts promising big things from the broadcasters on the uh, human rights situation, on the migrant worker situation, on the... Um, uh, lack of inclusivity uh, when it comes to diversity, all these kind of areas they were going to address. To what extent did, for instance, the BBC on day one do that? They won lots of plaudits. Yeah. It, um, 
some of it I thought was quite good. They talked to Jeremy Bowen. They had the Ross Atkins explainer about the they they put that in their in their prime time build up slot. I think you, and I thought that was worthwhile. But I think you reach a kind of point where it's like when we go, we're going to go to Alan Shearer and ask Alan Shearer what he thinks about this, mm. and Alan Shearer just wants Alan Shearer wants to stick to the football. Um. You know, he gave a he gave a bottled answer because Newcastle got brought into it as well, and the Shearer didn't really want to go into that too much. Um, and he wants to stick to football. And I think in those situations, you'd be better off saying, "Now everyone wants." You'd be better off saying, "Let's get people in who can actually illuminate." Like I think, in some ways, you don't need to. If you've got something, if you've got something insightful or something to add. Are you something to educate people about on this? But I, it's funny. I was in England over the weekend, and I was watching that match. I was watching the opening ceremony, or the first match with a group of friends, varying degrees of interest in football. Mm-hmm. But everyone wanted to watch the first match of the World Cup, and there was nothing. They were first of all, they were like, "Where's the opening ceremony?" Because yeah, BBC didn't BBC interesting didn't decision, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then they were like, "This is this like what's going on here?" As you know, they went through. Um, various talking heads, like Alan Shearer explaining the situation, you know, the, the geopolitical situation in in the Middle East. Like, yeah. no, nobody really benefits from that. No, nobody learns anything. Shearer doesn't want to do it, and <clears throat> you'd be better off doing it in another way. But I was also struck by just like you, <laughs> how, in a in a very small sample size, but a little kind of like a focus group, how little interest people had. In hearing that, hearing that stuff, and they want you know they wanted something more more akin to what they felt a world a World Cup opening game should be. Mm. Um, I don't think that's a reason not to do it, but I think you have to do it in a way that is actually um, bringing it somewhere. So bring it to life a bit more. To life, and I, yeah. But I, this, you see, I think everybody also wants to say show that I am. I am covering this. Yes. I am going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, sh- we're not going to be afraid to shine a light on these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's more to do, like in, in some instances, it may be more to do with saying, I can now say I, I've, I've shone a light or I, now, I can now say I've raised this. They feel and then, like, and then, and then we can move on. They feel like quite controlled answers. I've rehearsed them a few times. I've gotten confident in my bits. I'm going to say that and then it's move on. No Ian Hislop follow-up, please. Let's not go yeah. off the tracks here. And I agree with you on, to be fair to any former footballer, they are there because they are world-leading experts in football. Yeah. And it's a lot to ask any of them. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful bonus if they're genuinely very au fait with world politics and, and very passionate about the issues at hand. But generally, it's not the case. And so you're asking experts in another field, by dint of that expertise in another field, to say something that 10 million people need to hear on national television. That's a lot to ask of them. So I think generally in the main, from what I'm seeing, uh, the pundits are just trying to get in, get out, say their thing that does enough. And But it's just, so that does enough to justify, as they see it, them being there. And I don't have a problem with anyone being there for the BBC. I, I think being in sports is a different situation because that is Qatari government yeah, money. But I, government uh, yeah. with an asterisk. But I, I think that's the thing. I don't think you should have to uh, justify it in any way like unless you were on the FIFA executive committee who voted to have the World Cup mm. in Qatar 
and now you're doing some punditry for the BBC, uh, you're you're okay. Oh yeah, you're fine. Like you're there because that's where the World Cup is. You do, unless you know unless Alex Scott, it turns out, was actually had a vote. Yeah. and voted for Qatar. To the best of my knowledge, she didn't. She didn't. Interestingly, she wore the one yeah. armband today. Gareth Southgate might have done that. It occurred to us, actually. I mean, he could handle the third game in the stand. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, there's lots of ways they could have. But that's, that's, I, don't, I, don't, I think they need to, and I think that they'll, like, they're, you cover it, but get, cover it in a way that it actually... Well, I, I was saying to you even during the ad break, I mean, wouldn't it be fantastic if they had someone like Panorama still, in, in many ways, does lots of great things, or Panorama Investigates, you know, over the last year, six months, go in, put together the um, best eight minute package you can, mm. which leaves everybody at home in no uncertain terms. Bring the thing to life and have an expert there for the first 10, 15 minutes of the show and then bring in the guys on the football. You know, re- if you're going to do it properly, but it was a it was a little bit, we're going to do our bit and then we're going to get out. And, and that's probably it now, I would think. I mean, England are up and running. There'll be great excitement. I was curious to see, you know, Gary Neville was on the receiving end of such criticism and the interesting question was, what would he say on be-in coverage, mm. you know, beamed out to Qatar? And I haven't seen all of it, so it's hard to comment. I did see one point where about an hour ahead of kickoff because it had a countdown clock. Richard Keyes was obviously presenting Andy Gray, John Terry, and Keyes was referencing some of the controversy around the building of the stadiums, but then said, you know, football tournament is going to break out, we hope. And uh, Neville, uh, Mick mentioned it as well on the news range, you know, Neville kind of uh, said, you know, there will be football tournament and there are different views about this in England to the views that might be here in Qatar. But, you know, the migrant workers you mentioned, they should be, you know, they should be honoured and uh, we should talk about it. And then I suppose proceeded not in any detail to talk about it. And they were an hour away from kickoff. I don't think there was anything pressing. And it was that that thing that is done so often of we need to talk about this mm. just not right now in any kind of detail and but but also the, even in in that framing it is a little bit this thing of uh oh every country every country has its problems which is is something that often gets advanced there as well and again it's a bit like the infantino line it's, it's a sort of a, a, a milder version of that i don't think i think there are plenty of people in qatar who uh who might feel that you know to have a have a strong uh, opposition to the World Cup being in Qatar, they might may not be uh, Qataris or members of the Qatari royal family, but there are people living and working in Qatar mm. who are wondering why the World Cup is there. So to say that there's a view in England, or there's a Western view, that's the, that's to me when you, when you when you go down that road, you're actually saying this is somehow a cultural. There's a, there's a, there's a, it's just a cultural, uh, almost, it's a just cultural misunderstanding or mm. cultural chasm here mm. between, uh, you know, what people think in, in, in Doha and what people think in Islington. Mm. Um, and that's not what it is. Mm. That's not the reality of it. Um, and I think when you kind of allow it to be framed like that, you then, next thing you're, you're, you're Infantino talking about 3,000 years of, mm. of, of European. Yes. Yes. Is your sense so? I mean, I guess we all kind of wondered in in advance that once the football started, would it just completely supersede and and, and block out all the politicking? And yet, because of the late change with the alcohol, because of Infantino's press conference, because of the Iranian players, because of the armband, 
controversy over the last 24 hours actually and because of I mean the farce that was the opening game and all the the hired fans staying and mm. everybody else leaving uh, actually the off and because the football hasn't been all that compelling uh, 24-48 hours in uh, politics still very much to the fore and the football still trying to blossom uh, what's your sense of the coming days and the week ahead what, what, what kind of world are we in for a World Cup like this every night if you're in with me next Monday will we be at a point where we're talking about my God can you believe France the way they've tanked or, or will we still be talking about did you see the latest off the pitch uh, point of tension um, I think there's a quite a high chance that we will be still talking about things like that because I, I wonder how much quality there actually is. It, it may be actually a football reason that gets you gets us there. But now the, 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 the Wales match kind of mm. did seem like, as we said earlier, it did seem like a World Cup match. And also mundane group stages where everything goes to plan, they do that does lead to a fantastic knockout stages because all the big boys get through. Yeah, that's true. But like you know, we we're, we're used to having kind of quite exciting group stages. Yeah, uh, and then the tournament kind of petering out a bit. Um, I I thought from a football sense, I actually was I felt that there was a good chance of it being quite good because I thought coming straight off a season, I thought it was actually more likely the players would still be fresh. Um, but. I think the team, I think there's a, there's a huge amount of bad, there's an awful lot of bad teams there when you put them into the context of this artificial, fraudulent kind of environment with fake fans, everything like, you know, these, the, like, you know, empty, empty stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't fill a f- stadium without paying for people to be there, um, all those kind of how things. How football mad is this country? Yeah, have, you know, we've been t- you've been telling us another thing that's turned out not to be true. You've yeah. been telling us how crazy football, crazy the country is. So I do think, I, like I do think, there's a strong chance. Like this is this could be. It's day one. Yes. Right. Okay. It is day one. Like yesterday, it was actually it was all meant to be today. Like you know, and we we forget about this. The Qatar just mm. again in a, in a sort of you know in a, in a foreshadowing their their petulance that was to come. They just decided three months ago they wanted to go first. Yeah. Um. But like yesterday was match day minus one really, in a sense, and they played. Yeah. So like we've only had the first day, and yeah. I don't want to come in here on day one and make sweeping statements. But I think we could be looking at the end of the World Cup, because <laughs> I think. Um, my sense is the football is really going to take over very soon. I think, Do you? Yeah, yeah. I think the football's been so bad and that these have been the last growing pains of this tournament getting up and running. What's happened over the last 24, mm. 48 hours. There have been issues with accommodation, the alcohol, uh, about turn, Qatar's first match and, and the issues there with people leaving. And, and then the armband thing has been put to bed today. I feel like they're the last growing pains. And I, I do. I, I actually think it's going to calm down a lot now, and, and the football will start to take over. But um, whenever you see, I'll, I'll tell you, I, you're, you're probably right. I always have this memory of. Let me just get the. Uh, I think it was. I think it was the the week. I'm just going back to Saipan. I'm trying to go through my memories of Saipan. I don't know what day it was. We're not at Saipan here. Well, I'm just 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 for just for you know to, to kind of bring a sort of historical precedent into it. Yeah. And somebody announced the company's deciding. Uh, I think maybe the Tuesday after Keane left, 
that 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 was it. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about. It. I remember a couple of journalists saying, uh, "If they're listening, they will know who they are." But they decided to go and go to the I think the German training camp um, before Ireland played Germany because there was nothing going to happen on the Roy Keane front anymore. Right, okay. That story was done. Okay. And you know, I think at that point there were three. You know, the next day, like three private jets were being flown to Manchester, and Roy Keane was sitting down with Tommy Gorman, and uh, Mick McCarthy was being. We were marching down twenty-four hours later to Mick McCarthy at, to wake him up from his hotel to ask him would he take Roy Keane back, and yeah. there were tears and statements being released in the wrong order and. So uh, I'm off at the Germany training camp. Is that what you're Well, no, about? I'm just saying you're probably right. But whenever somebody says, <laughs> I think this is over. Yeah, just beginning. That just, that that memory always jumps into my head. Fair enough. And uh, I think, I think it's such a bad, this is such a bad idea. This is such a bad idea that I think there's always, there's always going to be legs for it. Okay. Duly noted. Uh, sorry, we didn't get into Republic of Ireland at all, which is quite telling in its own uh, way. But we will talk about that game at some stage in the next uh, 24-48 hours tops. Uh, the Football Show brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BD Sport and Premier Sports. Dion Fanning of The Currency. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Joe. Back in one sec. <laughs> Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.